I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. I know the Super Bowl is Sunday, but after the Super Bowl, there's nothing left except spring training. Mere days. So it's time to talk baseball with David Brown, senior writer of things for Bally Sports. Is that your title, Senior Writer of Things? I think writer is in my title. I'm not sure about the other words. Yeah. Okay. Well, it should be. It's not. All right. So I have a column that's going up. uh, It's free. It's going to be a free one tomorrow. uh, If you're listening to this, I shouldn't say tomorrow. On Friday, in advance of the Super Bowl, where I went through all of the the DraftKings props, and I picked out my favorite ones. Mm Mm-hmm. So it says we have a Kansas Cityan. Is that what you guys call yourselves? Uh-huh. I mean, I didn't do it, but yeah, that's yeah. what they call him. Yeah. And a huge Chiefs fan. You guys should see him. He's wearing a full headdress. <laughs> uh, he's not. I don't want any letters. I am definitely a bandwagon Chiefs fan. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you be? I mean, the, the Bears quite, don't quite get it done. I don't want to break it to anybody, but... Well, but here's the convenient thing about the Bears. They get eliminated early enough that you can then focus your attention on the Chiefs for like 13 weeks. Right. So you're That's up how to speed by out. playoff time. Um, so the first year I bet on a lot of props was terrible year. It was the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots. I had a mm. lot of account. I'm like, ooh, these are fun. I'm going to over this and over that and over this and over that. Nothing was over. Nothing. It was th- other than nothing was over was our interest in football for the year. <laughs> it was 13-3. to three. Right. That was the 
like one pass over 20 yards, the one to Gronk that set up the touchdown, the only touchdown of the game. So you think I would have been burned by that experience? No. The only thing I'm burning is cash. Um, so uh, I got all these from the 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 fabulous DraftKings app. This is a completely um, organic thing that I'm talking about here. It has nothing to do with the fact that DraftKings is a sponsor of the podcast. <coughs> that's that's the, actually the app I use anyway before they hopped on and threw vast amounts of cash at me. Uh, anyway. So they had a... Uh, I got on today to go through the props. Right away, they threw a super boost at me. I don't know if you know what a super boost is. It sounds really cool, so I had to do it. Is that a fuel additive? Yes. Oh, you car is running like you wouldn't believe. Um, so basically what they did was they took they took a regular prop bet that they had, which was... Uh, one of the t- at least one of the teams to score 30 points in the game, and they took mm-hmm. it from minus 140 to plus 100. If you don't know what pl- plus 100 is, double your money. Mm-hmm. They're giving, they're just giving money away with this bet. It's like here, take it. You can only bet ten dollars because they know everybody's going to win this bet. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went and I, I looked. I don't want to give away the whole column, but uh, uh, the Chiefs have not scored 30 points in a playoff game yet this year. Mm-hmm. Now the Eagles have done it both times, but that's because they played uh, a couple of JV squads. They played the Giants, and then the uh, Niners forgot to pack a quarterback. Right. So that made it a little easier. Uh, but I already said yes. I threw I threw ten dollars at it. So this ten dollars I probably will never get back. Uh, but that was the first one. Um, but here's some fun ones. So you see if you think these will hit. Yeah. Um. You can get plus 3,500, 35 to 1 odds, if a fat guy catches a touchdown pass. If an offensive lineman catches a touchdown pass, 35 to 1. I think that's – I think there's a possibility that's going to happen. If a quarterback – Yeah, if a quarterback catches a touchdown – no, sorry, first one is just quarterback to catch a pass, plus 1,200 bucks. Hmm. Now, here's the problem with that one, I think, in this game. You've got one quarterback has a bad shoulder and one has a bad ankle. Probably right. shouldn't be throwing either one of those guys. Probably not. Although maybe Patrick Mahomes will be healed up. That's true. Uh, one of my favorites, a non-quarterback to throw a touchdown pass. Hmm. Plus 2,200. I don't know if you, you know. Of course, you know this. Well, actually, do you know this? I, you probably don't know this. Do you know those brothers playing in the game? <laughs> yeah, I've, I heard about that. The Kelseys. The Kelseys, yes. But Travis, before he became a tight end in college, was a quarterback. You probably knew that, too. He, yeah, I did. And he's thrown touchdown passes I'm before. saying there's a possibility there. And then um, for a quarterback to catch a touchdown pass, not just a pass, plus 3,000. Now, I was thinking about this. But there was The last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, three of those things happened on one play. On the old Philly special. Yeah, right. So a non-quarterback, future Bear Trey Burton, mm-hmm. threw a touchdown pass to future Bear Nick Foles. So you got the quarterback out a pass, quarterback caught a touchdown pass, non-quarterback threw a touchdown pass. And did you know this? The, the Philly special play, do you know who ran that play first? Who's that? The Bears. 
McDowell mm. Loggins, great uh, offensive coordinator for one year under John Fox, yeah. drew that play up just for Mitch. The Eagles right. stole it, ran the Super Bowl. There's a freaking statue of Foles and Peterson discussing the play in front of their stadium now. Sure. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm sure Dowell Loggins probably goes gets his picture taken. Stands by it, see if anybody wants to. Would you like a picture of me and the statue? <laughs> That's my play. Like, no, no. So I thought those were fun. Um, you could bet on the Super Bowl records being broken. I mm-hmm. wouldn't bet on any of these. You have to go over six and a half touchdown passes. Mm. Over 505 passing yards. Over 215 receiving yards. And over 204 rushing yards. So I would I would save the cash on all of those. Yes. Um, you can bet on whether the last play of the game will be a kneel down. Mm-hmm. That's not a fun bet. I don't think. I guess if it's... You'd be like, all right, well, nothing's going to happen, but at least I'm going to win money. And you 50 cents on the dollar, if you bet on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could bet on these things. Will there be more punts than touchdowns? More field goals made than turnovers? And more points, or the long, more total points... Or the distance of the longest field goal. That to me is too much math. Yes. I don't, I don't even know how to process that. I don't want to. I'm not messing with that at all. Um, what will happen first? A turnover or a rushing touchdown? Mm-hmm. A touchdown or a sack? Or a punt or a score? Who's betting on punts? Actually, I know who's betting on punts. In the Chiefs, Bucks, Super Bowl, I bet the total number of punts was low, so I bet it and I missed it by one. Oh. Yeah. I was the whole I'm the only guy in America who was rooting for a punt in the fourth quarter. <laughs> like, alright, somebody punt. Come on. I know you're behind Andy, but you know, go for the go for the coffin corner. No? Fine. Um I love the one about the, the fat guy touchdown. Yeah. Catch. Now, I think a catch. Now do you know there are idiots who bet on the coin toss? Sure. And you know that I'm one of them. <laughs> I always What's bet- the history? Like, do we know uh, all time, heads or tails? I don't, but I do know uh, the guy from Caesars was on another podcast today, on Jimmy Train's podcast, and said that tails is getting hammered. The betters are uh, all over tails. Right. right. And that's what I always bet. I always bet tails. Yeah. And I always feel like it's a, I only bet it in the Super Bowl. I don't bet on random games. <laughs> that would be kind of sad, actually. Uh, I'll walk down the street and hand a kid a coin and bet him. All right, but you can't, but you can't flip a tails. Right. Um, I, I feel in the, in the Super Bowl, it's a harbinger of things to come for me. Mm-hmm. I win the coin toss, I'm in good shape. I lose it, I might as well just take all the tickets and burn them. Right. And there are no tickets because it's all on my phone. So I just burn my phone. <laughs> How about this one? You know what a, you know what a scoregami is? Yeah, a unique yeah. final score. So you could bet on whether there will be a scoregami. That's a good, I like that. And it's uh plus 2000 for yes. Minus 10000 for no. 
So, mm -hmm. what is that? Ten cents? You win ten cents on the dollar if it's a no. Why? I think there's a pretty good chance that there will be the the Super Bowl. It seems to me. It seems to me has a decent amount of scoregamis or unusual scores. Anyway, mm -hmm. is this now a scoregami in the history of the Super Bowl? No. Or in of any game ever. That's why the odds any. are so long. Because, yeah, if it was only a Super Bowl, what is this, 50, I don't know my Roman numerals, X something, something. Yeah. It haven't been enough. I mean, that would be an easy pound of scoregami just in case. Yeah. Do you know what an octopus is? It's a thing underwater yeah. with the ink. With a gelatinous thing with suckers on it, yeah. Yeah. In football, an octopus, and this is another thing I always bet, is the octopus. The octopus is that the same player will score a touchdown and then score the two-point conversion on the subsequent play. That's an octopus. That's an octopus. Some sports writer. Why? One of you guys. One of you paid sports writers came up with that. What is the... Uh, I guess I'm one of those two, now, technically. What's the link there? What, what is the... Uh, why is it? What's the logic? What's the... Um, four arms, four legs? What? That's a good question. I... You could tell I... Oh, it's eight points? You're right. That's exactly what it is. They, they score eight points. All right. See, you figured it out well, okay. before I could Google it. Good job. There's, an, there's one I like here just because Matt Nagy is on your sidelines. Yeah. Can you guess what bet there would be that I would enjoy that I want Matt Nagy to witness it? <laughs> a double doink. What, did you see, you just see a single doink. You could bet on whether a field goal or a extra point will hit the crossbar or the upright. You don't have to do both. You don't have to go full Cody Parkey. Right. That's pretty degenerate. I like it. It's that. a yes plus 450. So uh, it's pretty good money if, if he does it, if one of the little guys does it. Do you think Nagy would get a, like a little PTSD if that happened? They, they put the camera on him? It would be great. Yeah. It would be great. He be uh, One of the Chuggo guys caught up with him at uh, media night, Adam Hogue from Chuggo. Chuggo. Now, Chuggo was down there in mass. They took, like, the whole – they just, like, they just take money and just set it on fire. And they I all saw went, tweets to that effect, yes. They all went to Arizona. Now, I was talking to John Greenberg about this, and they're – Plunics, you know, they're, they like to do things. Only Chuggo has a vowel. The other two, their sports networks, take all the vowels out. Phoenix is, like, PHNX, and Denver mm -hmm. is DNVR. And I just, I just assumed – the reason they could all go is they're just living, they're just bunking with the the Phoenix guys, the PHNX, yeah. like exchange students. They just show up and for a week. Hostile. Like, yeah. And so it's like, all right. HTSL. Uh, yeah. They're like, uh, Tony, uh, is it okay if you and your wife, uh, you're going to need to share a bed with Duck? That's going to be fine. Sure. Why not? Bring him in. Uh, but anyway, they're there and Hogue interviewed Nagy. For a long time, because nobody wants to talk to you. the the offensive right. coordinator, who's not an offensive coordinator, because Andy Reid does all the coordinating. And uh, Nagy went into this whole. They ask him all these questions about his time in Chicago, and uh, you know, did he? What do you think of Justin Fields' development? And did he feel like you know he played any role in that? And um, Nagy's basically like, well, you know, I kind of feel like we put him in a bad situation in the Cleveland game. I don't know if you remember the Cleveland game. Bears fans will never forget it. Uh, the great Andy Dalton gets hurt against Cincinnati. Fields comes in, plays really well uh, at the end. They beat the soon-to-be Super Bowl runner-up Bengals. Um, 
And then the next week, Justin Fields, Dalton's not back. So Justin's going to get the start. And uh, I believe the Bears passed for six yards in the game. And I'm, just, I'm not exaggerating. It was single digits because of all the sacks. Right. Justin got sacked like eight times. They ran these plays that I don't know. It's like, all right, all we need the offensive line to do, we just need you to block for 11 seconds. And it'll be fun. This play will work. And I started to listen to it, and I just thought, no, I don't want to hear this shit. I don't care. I'm just glad he's gone. He was the, he he was like actively sabotaging my favorite team. <laughs> and I don't want the little, oh, isn't it cute that he gets to go back to the Super Bowl? It's like, he's just there for the ride. He might as well be a ball boy. The only thing, they'll show him sitting on the bench with Mahomes sometimes, you know, when the other team has the ball. Yeah. No, there's no strategy. It's just the two of them sitting there, like, you know, yucking it up, because what's Nagy going to tell him? Nothing. That's what he's going right. to tell him. Oh, it was awful. Uh, you can bet on whether the game will be tied again after 0-0. At any point, yeah. will the game be tied again? Uh, da, 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 da. So I went crazy. I haven't actually placed the bet yet, but in the column, I write out all the ones I plan to bet. Uh-huh. I went crazy on three kind of connected. Actually, two. I have two bets that are kind of connected. Basically, if it happens... The little money machine out of my phone just goes, just bills come flying out of it during the Super Bowl. It's going to be great. So I bet that the first score would be an other, because you can bet on um, offensive touchdown, field goal, or other. Ah. So you get um, defensive touchdown, you get kick return or punt return touchdown or safety. Right. So I bet that. So if it's a defensive touchdown, I also am betting that there will be a defensive or special team score. Uh, and I'm also going to, I just said, what the hell with it? I'm betting this is going to be a pick six. Mm. I'm just going to bet all that. That sounds fun. Yeah. None of it will happen, but what the hell. Yeah. And then my other connected one, I always, I say always, I've been betting, this is like the fifth Super Bowl I've been betting. Because, uh, you know, once, thanks to, first it was, on, you know, it was uh, illegal offshore um, sites yeah. that I could get to. And That's then, and then, uh, you know, J.B. Prisker just said, start gambling. Go get him. So, thanks. Thanks, Governor Big Boy. Um, is, I always bet that there's going to be a two-point attempt. Just feel like in a Super Bowl, you're always going to get that. Right. Then you can also bet on whether it'll be a successful one. And if you're going to bet on that, then you might as well bet the octopus. Yes. So, I'm going two-point crazy with all that. So, if a defensive touchdown, especially if it's the first touchdown... I'd go nuts. And a two a successful two point conversion and God forbid it'd be like AJ Brown catches the touchdown and the two point conversion. Oh. I mean there won't be any more podcasts because I'll be <laughs> too rich to do them. Yes. Yeah. I won't be able to be troubled by it. Um Okay, and the last thing you can get odds on. Well, there's a lot of things you get odds on. There's literally there's there's hundreds of bets you can place. So go sort through them and amuse yourself. But the last thing in the little list of things you can bet is for which NFL team will Aaron Rodgers take his next regular season snap? Oh. And the favorite is not the Green Bay Packers. Right. It's the Raiders. Yeah. Then it's the Packers. Raiders at minus 230 prohibitive favorites. Packers at plus 250. Then the Jets, 600. The Bucks, 1,500. Commanders, Titans, Niners, Pats at 200. Panthers and Colts at 2,500. 
So, um, Jets fall out of favor there? A little bit. Yeah. It seemed like that was a, a hot Isn't idea. Isn't this all because at the stupid uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, he, Aaron made some cryptic, which that's all he does is make cryptic remarks. You know, right. About Even the Raiders. Even when he's not trying to. It's, it's about like, the Raiders and everybody yeah. just connected the dots. Because until Brady retired again, the thought was he was going to go to the Raiders. Yeah. And now he's on sabbatical, at least. And they're like, well, they'll just get Aaron Rodgers and they'll reunite him with his old buddy. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Well, and he mentioned Adams on Twitter said uh, he's coming to live in my neighborhood. Mm. So oh, property values went down. <laughs> so Aaron is, uh, if he ever, if he's ever to be believed, he's on day three now of his four-day uh, lock himself in a dark room. And meditate. When he comes out, then he's going to tell us. He's like the groundhog. He's going to pop out, and if he sees his shadow, it's two more years in Green Bay. And if he doesn't, <laughs> then it's off to Vegas. You ever see the movie Altered States? Yeah. With William Hurt? Yes. Where he, he goes into trances and caves and comes out primeval. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers would be a, a different guy. It could be. When he emerges from the darkness. Yeah. I was just worried about, how's he going to bathe in the dark for two for four days? Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, right. He doesn't really do much of that. <laughs> so, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. It's 57. That's what it is, Super Bowl 57 has all the Super Bowl action. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on Super Bowl 57, 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts, like the one that I talked about. The uh, Will somebody score more than 30 points? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code POINTLESS. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code pointless. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. Bonus issued as bonus bets. Opt-in required for odds boost. Bet type and amount limits vary. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Good job on the fine print. Yeah. I like trying to read that faster just to make it yeah. seem like they've in the editing booth they've squished all my words together to get through it. Right. Right. So what is 57 is XLVII? No, LVII. It's almost Elvis. <laughs> right, because fifty is L. Is right. It? Yeah, and then VII fifty-seven. It's too bad that this isn't happening in Vegas. The Super Bowl next it's year is in Vegas. His residency. It'll be LVIII. So oh. LVI. That's probably why. Oh, right. They'll be parachuting out of the sky. I um, I was out for a. Uh, I had to go to a convention. Not the porn convention. That was a couple. That was happening in a couple of weeks. Um, 
and everybody, the town was of a Twitter, a titter, titter. I don't want to say that. Uh, but at the convention one uh, one night we were at, we stayed at the lovely Las Vegas, the Westgate in Las Vegas, the former Las Vegas Hilton. Oh. And we got to go to a party in the Elvis suite. Oh my goodness! Left just the way he left it. Pills all over. And all, no, I mean yeah. uh, decorated that way. It was really something. The Westgate, um, the convenience of it is connected to the huge convention center. So if you're yeah. if you're working at a convention, it's a <laughs> place to stay. And it also has a really good sports book, the Westgate Sport Superbook. The rest of it, crap. The rooms are awful. The food choices are terrible. And, um, but I didn't really care because you know, I had a bed and then I could go gamble and then I could go to the conference, sometimes in that order. Is this Westgate the same company that owns the shopping malls? Uh, it could be just because of the quality of the hotel. Hmm. Um, I don't think so. But it does have a nice sports book. Just don't stay in the hotel. Uh, okay, so it's time to talk baseball. That's uh, that's why that's why we have you. Our oh yeah. Uh, but you're also you know from Kansas City and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl and why not? So a couple of weeks ago, I had your former Yahoo colleague Kelly Dwyer on the pod, and one of the things we talked about was the absurdity of a player for the Pelicans who goes by the name. I know you would enjoy this. He is called Trey Murphy. The third, <laughs> his but it's like his name is Kenneth Murphy, the third. Right. He's his nickname is Trey, so you either call him Trey Murphy or Kenneth Murphy the third. He's not Trey Murphy the third. Right. That would be some descendant of his. I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know what? I know what I'm going to start calling Joseph Anthony Mancini, the third. Right. Trey Mancini the third. Right. Did you know that his name was Joseph Anthony Mancini? I did. I, I heard I don't know when I heard the story, but I did know that, yes. I feel bad for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic, which is coming up. First games are a month from yesterday. Um Trey Mancini the third was supposed to play for Team Italy. When he signed with the Cubs, he reneged on his uh, commitment to Team Italy because he feels like a big part of his role with the Cubs is to be a team leader. And he can't be a team leader for the Cubs when he's horsing around with Team Italy. I suppose. That's commitment. Or it's a guy who's like, do I really want to play for Team Italy? I don't think I want to. Can you find a good Italian restaurant in... Taiwan. <laughs> that is uh, that is a, a mission that they're they're going to have to accept. Like the team, you know, Piazza getting the guys together for the Lasorda style, uh, you know, getting them uh, jazzed up, motivational meeting. <laughs> you figure you got to find a good Italian place. You know, can it be done in Taiwan? Yeah. It's a you know, it's an international. You know, it's a cosmopolitan. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, part of the world so maybe maybe not quite hong kong where you can get it wherever or las vegas where there's facsimiles of everything but that's that's uh that's a big mission for piazza 
Well, uh, according to uh, my favorite concierge, Mr. Google, there is a that seems like a, that seems like too many stars. One, two, three, four. No, it is a four and a half star Italian restaurant down in the Daan district in Taipei City in Taiwan called mm. Antico Forno. So they can go there, or they can go to Gustoso. That's a four star, not quite as good. Right. Or uh, Bottego, Bottega del Vin. But they're all basically in the same part of uh, Taipei City, if that's where they're playing. Is there a little Italy in Taipei City, you think? TripAdvisor has a list of the 10 best Italian restaurants in Taipei. Look at this. The tray's Ooh. missing out. Could have been the best Italian food he ever had in his life in Taiwan. But <laughs> he's going to be... Uh, you know, he can go to the Pink Taco in Scottsdale instead. Right. Well, Team Italy has some other good. Uh, I know they got Vinny Pasquantino speaking. Of, they have other Italian first basemen. If Trey Mancini can't be there, they have an Italian. They have two. They have two other Cubs. Right. They have a uh, Miles, my favorite, Miles yeah. Mestroboni. Oh. Yes, it's, uh, you don't want to get caught. It's a that. good thing Ron Santo is not around. <laughs> oh, Patrick! The masturbator is that's a that's a third <laughs> error on him. Uh, Ron, <laughs> Hall of Famer Pat Hughes would be like Ron. Uh, his name is Masturboni, and Vinny Natoli, new cut. Right, Vinny Natoli is also a team pitching for uh, Team Italy. Cubs have quite an assortment. Of guys, they have uh, two guys on Team Puerto Rico: Marcus Stroman and Nelson Velasquez. And the Puerto Rican roster. Now, how many outfielders do you have to have in a game? You have to have three. Yeah, that's how many they have on their team. They have three right. outfielders. Yeah, they have uh, Eddie Rosario, Henry Ramos, and Nelson Velasquez. So hope they're uh, hope they're well rested. But they also have, also has three outfielders that I I noticed. Well, Team Puerto Rico has like. Uh, four all-star shortstops. So they probably could get the outfield covered. Right. They probably just have, they probably play Javi at second, and he can just handle right field at the same time. That'll, right. That would be good. Um, and looking at Team Venezuela, I was hoping that Henry Blanco would still be catching for them. <laughs> Alas, he's not. But Robinson Chirino says, and I think he's older than Henry. <laughs> Uh, another former Cub who's pitch who's playing for Team USA is Jason Adam. So I really hope yep. there's not they don't have a pride jersey for Team USA or he's yeah. he's gonna have to pitch nude. Um So I th- I was I trying to figure out how how Freddie Freeman gets to play for Team Canada. And then I found out he's already played for them. He played yeah. he played for them in the twenty seventeen World Baseball Classic. I vaguely remember that, yes. And it's uh because he really likes SCTV. Yeah, right. That was why they. Apparently, his parents are both Canadian, and he has dual citizenship. The things you learn. Such an advantage. I think I've talked to him about this before, in a a Q and A several years ago on the phone. It, it all rings a bell. Freddie Freeman sounds like a guy who might be from Canada. That sounds like, almost like a Canadian name. Yeah. It's funny. He was he was really excited to play for them, and that's like. Um, that's great, Freddie. You probably could, you probably could have played first base for Team USA. <laughs> right. You know, you're pretty good. Right. Uh, Team USA has Pete Alonso and Paul Goldschmidt, both. 
So they're they're probably okay at first. Uh, looking at the Dominican restaurant, one of the things that made me laugh is the White Sox have gone to great pains to um, they signed Andrew Benintendi to play left field, so yeah. that Eloy Jimenez can be safely stowed in the upright position on the bench when he's not <laughs> DHing. Right. And I tweeted it today because I think it's going to happen. He will somehow break both arms and both legs trying to catch a pop-up in a World Baseball Classic, like, preliminary game, not even in one of the real ones. He'll just, in one of those games where they play spring training teams, because I think I think the Cubs play Team Canada, I think, at some point. Poor little Eloy will just get caught in the net again, and there goes Rick Hahn's plans up in smoke. Again. I was going to say, somehow he would miss the net and <laughs> and start breaking limbs. Uh, another former Cub, Eric Sogard, is playing for Team Czechoslovakia. So a couple things about this. Number one, I like the fact that a guy who played many years for the Brewers is playing for Team Czechoslovakia, because as we know from Stripes, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but also... Um, I hope they don't get beat up. It's good that he can be there to make sure that none of the none of the guys on the Czech team are vaccinated. <laughs> so that'll be good. Um... So the top two teams from each pool emerge into the second round, and the pool the Americans are in Pool C. It's the it's the U.S., Mexico, Canada, Colorado, and Green Bay. That just seems no. That's Great Britain and uh, Colombia. Oh, well, that makes more <laughs> sense. I was like, what did they def- did they defect? How are they playing against us? Oh, oh I like our odds better now. Just a little insurrection, a little uh, leftover from one six. <laughs> well, if Colorado had a team, I'm sure uh, Chris Bryant would still be on the DL. <laughs> He's just weeks away from being weeks away. Uh, oh, I missed one. Uh, team Israel. Um. One of my favorite former almost Cubs, Ryan LaVarnway, is one of their catchers. Oh. In one offseason, I think it was twenty, the 2012 offseason, he got DFA'd and claimed like five times. I think, I, actually, I think it was four times within like three weeks in, the, in December. Mm-hmm. And he never played for any of those teams. And then... The Cubs did it to him twice. They claimed him and then DFA'd him. And was, right. He was so close. He would have been a former Theo and Jed draft pick with the Red Sox, which is why I think uh-huh. they were interested in him. Um, but they have um, they have a lot of names you would recognize on Team Israel. Jack Peterson. Uh, Garrett Stubbs. Yes. Alex Dickerson. Jacob Goldfarb. Well, actually, I don't think I recognize Jacob Goldfarb. Uh, but Cub Uber prospect Matt Mervis is going Mervis, to be the first yeah. baseman for Team Israel. Only two outfielders listed that I see. Well, yeah, that's they play a unique defense. Two outfielders, and one of them is Jock. Uh, yeah, that's not good. There's a pitcher, and his name is Shlomo. 
Yes, there is. <laughs> he's the only pitcher. He's the only pitcher from Israel in the lineup. And his name's Shlomo. I wonder if he throws in slow-mo. Shlomo Lippitz. Right. So Pool D is well. This you know one of the good, one of the good teams is going to go home right away. It's Puerto Rico, the Dominican, and Venezuela are all in the same pool. Again, I could say traditionally are right. Then occasionally they throw the Netherlands in. Yeah, right. But only two could survive. Five will enter. Only two will emerge. Right. Looks like Pool B is Japan, South Korea, Czechoslovakia, um, Chinese Taipei, and Italy. I right? don't know who that is. Is that the Pirates? It's be Italy. The Pittsburgh Pirates. No, oh, okay. I don't. I don't like their chances. Chinese Taipei, Panama. Oh, Panama. That's right. Italy's in the other one. Not the Pirates. No, that's not right. Oh yeah, Panama Chinese Taipei. I've confused myself with it. I can't follow the the thread here from World Baseball Classic. I'm lost. How about just Taiwan, a list of who's where? Taipei, Netherlands, Cuba. Oh, I do have one right here. <laughs> Panama. Yep, Chinese Taipei, Cuba, Italy, Netherlands, Panama. Pool B is Australia, China, the Czech Republic, Japan, and South Korea. So that's why I confused those. So it was Australia that I was confusing. That makes more sense. I was accusing them for the Pirates. And then Canada, Colorado, Green Bay, Mexico, and the United States. And the Pool D, the Dominican, Israel, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela. That's kind of the group of death, sort of, in a way. It is. It's a term, but... Yeah, I feel bad for Israel. Poor Shlomo. Yeah. He's going to get a good look at the DR's lineup and go... Oh, my arm. I think it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. I can't pitch today. It's the Sabbath. It's Tuesday, and we're all Jewish, and we know you're full of shit. Here's the Yeah, but it's Saturday and some other part of the earth. <laughs> That's right. It's what time zones. It's, they don't work that way, Shlomo. Sorry. Um... Another Cub connection, former Cub Mark DeRosa is the manager of Team USA. Right. Um, I don't know if he's... He was kind of tangentially, like, rumored but never interviewed um, in the farce when they hired David Ross, but they brought other people in and pretended like they might hire somebody who wasn't Ross. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Well, this will be good for the resume to see if he's any good at this. And if he likes it, are the U.S. were the were the defending World Baseball Classic champions? Is that right? It seems so long ago because this thing got I don't remember delayed. Anymore. I think it was yeah. the year that Adam Jones made the ridiculous catch up in the wall in Dodger Stadium, and Jim Leland was uh, trying to hide smokes in the corner of the dugout. And I'm pretty sure that was the last time we had this. So it's 2017, right? No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we won. Yeah, because we we'll should have. This should have happened in twenty one. 
or 22, right. and now it's finally happening at 23. So it's been a long right. layoff. So long, right, that the 17, it had to be. 17-1 was the one where Javi made the no-look tag on the Yadier Molina throw down to second base. He started celebrating right. before he tagged, as he was tagging the guy out. That's kind of the iconic. Those are the two moments I remember from the World Baseball Classic. The Adam Jones Stroman catch. Was the, was the tournament MVP. Stroman was. Was he? He was. Oh, well, he, pitched for, he was pitching for us. Now right. he's pitching for Puerto Rico. I think Twitter did that to him. Something happened on Twitter, and he's, he he left for Puerto Rico. Well, fine. Well, I guess we know Bob Brenly's not rooting for Team Puerto Rico. <laughs> but uh, it's, I think the, the World Baseball Classic is... I'm not going to call it the much maligned thing. I think there are a bunch of fans who just decide they don't want to pay attention to it. I've always enjoyed it. It's it's far more entertaining than regular spring training games, so why not? I will watch it. Right. The only thing, and I, I I don't know exactly how. It is it's potentially an issue for me. I'm thinking about like teams preparing for the regular season, and especially guys coming off injuries or whatever. I can see where the disruption of the routine, and you know, we're talking about baseball players, so they're kind of fragile and precious when it comes to routines. But I could see where it's maybe not the greatest thing in the world for preparation for the regular season, but I do like that it exists. I don't know when else you would do it. You know, it's only every few years. And I think it's uh, the pluses, at least for fans out, like you were kind of saying, outweigh the minuses. The enthusiasm is great. It's good to see the players, you know, uh, in a little mini Olympics format, uh, get uh, you know all excited from a nationalism standpoint. You know, good kind of nationalism, and it's uh, it's good to uh, you know if your favorite game is baseball, and it's my favorite game, it's fun to see the other cultures of the world. You know, not to get all whatever, but to, it's fun to see the other cultures of the world get into it and. Uh, you know, it's kind of a thing that America started, and it's uh, w- one of our, our best exports. I'm glad they do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and it's fun to see. There are there are several teams who take it super seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, it basically becomes like a a rematch of the Caribbean World Series for some of these teams. It's like, we get another <laughs> shot at you guys. Right. Uh, and I always like Japan's uniforms. I always think Japan yeah. has cool uniforms. 
Yeah, they know how to dress. I like. Uh, I'd like to ask, and and maybe there are answers to these questions already. But if I get a chance this spring and get a chance to talk to Otani, I'd like to ask him about the whole phenomenon of them wearing uniforms in English, you know, and not uh, in their uh, in the kanji yeah. Japanese characters, and why they like to do that, and get a kind of an answer about that. I think that's it's fun. It's a nice, you know kind of nod or homage to the creators of baseball, I think. And it's fun for them because, you know, they don't have to read everything in their, whatever they're in their native language. And it's just different for them. And they, they, uh, the uniforms are fun in that way. Yeah. Not all the uniforms are equal. They're not all, no. some of them are kind of, I don't think the USA has very good uniforms, but, um, Japan's good, and China's got a cool logo, and Australia. It looks look just like the A's. They basically have A's. <laughs> they have a big A on their hat, even. So, I don't know what else you would put there. I don't know. A, king, a kangaroo, or a Paul Hogan, <laughs> a shrimp on the Barbie. Right. John Morosi says, "Next up, the greatest baseball tournament ever." Isn't the, uh, I don't know, maybe the Major League Baseball playoffs? Aren't they maybe the greatest baseball tournament ever? Every I think year? you can make that argument. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Slow your roll, John. We're glad you're excited, but come on. International tournament, sure. I think this is better than the better other than the Olympics. What's that? It's better than the Olympics. Yes. Yes. Although, ask David Robertson how that worked out. Mm-hmm. He uh, found himself on a in no man's land recovering from an injury pitched in the Olympics found himself on a playoff roster that very fall right for Tampa and uh, they pitched for the Cubs last year and then uh, he probably is probably he probably will more fondly remember uh, pitching in the World Series for the Phillies than he does pitch yeah. for the Cubs some Twitter guy named Mike Teven crunched the numbers for us he's getting us hyped for the for the talent in the World Baseball Classic. 16 of the top 18 finishers for the 2022 NL MVP. Oh, he's going, well, so, wow. Actually, just the 16 of the best 18 players in the National League are in this tournament. Six of the top 10 finishers in the American League MVP race. Uh, so are the reigning Nippon professional baseball MVPs Munataka Murakami and Ryoshinobu Yamamoto of Japan. And a Korean baseball, uh, what's the O organization? MVP. ABO. Young Hoo Lee. They're all playing. All the big stars are there. Right. So that's good. And Shlomo. And Shlomo. Well, it goes without saying. And Jacob Goldfarb. <laughs> I think that my three favorite players in it are Seiya Suzuki, and then Shlomo and Goldfarb. Right. So I'm going to be pulling for them. Um, so we haven't quite reached peak this it happens right after the Super Bowl but we're getting it's trickling out one of my favorite things is uh, footage of Major League Baseball players playing catch yes can't get enough of it that's what Marquis should show for like six hours <laughs> just I just want to see two guys playing catch just right. relaxing it's like it's like pulling up one of those if you don't have a real fireplace you just like pull up the fireplace and just 
you know, it's a great analogy. On your TV, I same thing. I could just sit here and just I could just I could listen to it. I don't even have to see it. I can listen to right. two guys play catch. The popping of the glove. Yeah. Uh, but there is a there is a Cub Twitter uh, user down in uh, somewhere near in Mesa adjacent uh, who gets to who films batting practice. Mm-hmm. And this guy is really excited about all the guys hitting home runs in batting practice. It's the latest thing. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's I, hate to, I hate to break it to you. <clears throat> not that hard for even a bad Major League Baseball player to hit right. home runs in batting practice. In the arid climbs of Phoenix. Frequent listeners to this podcast will know, because I've told the story incessantly, I remember this crap, is that I have one... Uh, I caught a Tim Tuffle home run. So if Tim Tuffle can do it, kids, anybody can do it. Right. Well, he was, uh, you know, he was good for nine a year. So I, I got mean, one of them. 1987, right. I got one of them. Oh, that's prime Tim Tuffle time. Yeah. Um, have you ever caught a foul ball at a Major League Baseball game? Have I? Yeah. Um, or a home run ball. Yeah, not a home run ball. Um, Jeff Blauser. Oh. This was in the press box. I remember dropping a pop-up, a foul pop-up that Jack Clark hit in 1991. Oh, good. You didn't want that anyway. Right. You try and sell me a car. <laughs> and berate and you then, the uh, entire time. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, um, and then there was one other... I don't remember. There was one other... That I don't remember who hit it. Yes. Oh, Gary Sheffield in batting practice once. Yeah. So I was, I was a young lad when I got mine, and I have basically like never made an effort to try to catch another one. You know, like mm-hmm. if they come in the section, I'm like, I'm too cool. I got one. I did it. I don't know that if I never caught that one, if I would be like shoving small children out of the way now in my adulthood to say that I finally right. broke my streak and I caught one. But the closest I came um, after that was. <laughs> friend of mine who was a college football coach had gotten fired and he was you know he's like well i'm a football coach we were hired to get fired but he got fired and we had season tickets partial season ticket plan to the brewers we went up to miller park we sneaked down because it was miller park in 2000 or 2001 whatever it was there was nobody there so we basically we cruised down a few rows behind the first base dugout he's got uh the world's biggest pepsi you think he'd be drinking beer but he wasn't he, was drinking, he had a huge pepsi and he had a pretzel, and the ball got hit right towards us. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna let it. You know, I'm kind of getting. I'm gonna let it catch this. At least he'll get. He managed to drop the Pepsi, drop the pretzel, and not get the ball. Oh. It was just kind of the perfect capper on the day where he got where he lost his college football coaching job. Right. And then I didn't get it either. In fact, he assumed I got it. So he's like, he's like, oh, where is it? I'm like, well, I don't know. That kid over there reached down between your legs on the ground and grabbed it and ran off with it. <laughs> but that was kind of one of those games where like a smart ass announcer would say if you look at the crowd and be like so if you don't go home with a foul ball you're not trying because there were yeah. there were about 19 of us left I think at that point yeah. so that was fun um, so I haven't talked to you since the, the Cubs made several of their moves post winter meetings where they uh I don't know if you've noticed this, but they, they've signed nine free agents to their major league, to the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. 
all of them share um, they're all mediocre white guys mm-hmm. every one of them they just cornered the market remember Theo was always talking about they're going to look for the next market efficiency, uh, inefficiency yeah they found it <laughs> white guys that nobody else wants that's the, that's who the Cubs signed nine of them <clears throat> I guess I shouldn't say a few guys a few people wanted Dansby it wasn't they weren't the only ones bidding on Dansby but the yeah. other eight uh, I mean Jed and Carter didn't have to try too hard to do things like sign Eric Hosmer to the, for a, the league minimum right it doesn't sound like there was a robust market for Eric Hosmer when they offered him the least they could pay him and he said sure why not I'll take it yeah I don't think there's much of an interest in him at this time based on how last season went He's not what he once was. No, he's not. And um, so there were people like, well, you know, Petco, terrible, terrible home park. Get him out of that park. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, but, I mean, is it because the grass is high at Petco? Because he hit like 58% of his balls on the ground. So it doesn't matter what park you're – it doesn't matter how far away the outfield wall is. If you can't roll it over the wall, I don't think that has been, unfortunately, his calling card. When he's, he's, he naturally hits the ball on the ground a lot, and when he struggles, he really hits the ball on the ground a lot. So, um, That's good, though, because the Cubs need that because Jason Hayward has left. <laughs> and somebody's got to hit those slow rollers to second. So right. I thought Eric can get, fill in for that. That'll be good. But it was funny. They signed him, and then just to, like a week later, they signed Trey Mance. Trey Mancini the third. I was like, if you were going to sign Trey Mancini the third, why did you bother with Eric Hosmer? You have a better player now, who is just going to DH, I suppose. Yeah, although you could also, if you had to put Mancini in the outfield, you could, I suppose. Well, we want to put him sometimes. We got two Gold Glovers out there. I'm just saying. I mean, and say it. Mm-hmm. So I did a I did a very exhaustive. Uh, again, I didn't mean to do it. I was listening to the. Uh, I found out Jed was Jed Hoyer was doing a podcast. He didn't come on this podcast, but he's always welcome. Uh, he was on with John Heyman and Joel Sherman. Yeah. And I started to listen to it, and I started to take notes of things I thought he said that were dumb, and I ended up basically breaking down the entire podcast. <laughs> And one of the things he said that was somewhat newsworthy was that they expected Saya to play much better defense in right field because he didn't play, they didn't think he played it terribly well in his first year in the big leagues and not nearly as well as he played in Japan. And I just thought, as I thought about it a little bit, I thought that to me makes the Ian Happ gold glove in left even more of a joke. Hmm. Because if Saya was underperforming that badly in right field, he was clearly the Cubs' best defensive outfielder. <laughs> it's like, all right, so the guy who can't, you know, the guy who, the guy who can't, the guy who does the best job fielding had a t- terribly disappointing year, but the guy in left field ends up, you know, getting to sew the gold patch on the back of his glove this year. Right. It just, he said that. He said that they, their plan is to start Hosmer against most right-handers. So I went and looked up his stats, and last year he was he hit lefties much better than righties. <laughs> <laughs> but for his career, that is that is not a thing. But last year that was he, 
Um, he had like an he had like an 800 OPS against lefties and like how many at bats? Not like a representative amount. Yeah. It's luck, I'm sure. You know, get hot for a couple of weeks and because um, he wasn't playing every day. It was not nearly as many at bats as against righties, but not it wasn't like a token like you know right. 20 games against lefties. He, they Padres <clears throat> by out of necessity were throwing him out there, I guess. So that was funny. Um, Keith Law ranked not only his 100 players, but he ranked the farm systems. And he ranked the Cubs 10th overall, which, you know, it's a big jump up from where they had been, considering basically after the uh, Kyle Schwarber draft, they made lots of picks, and they basically have Ian Happ to show for them for like five years worth of drafts and just a steal thankfully he showed up out of one of those uh, but also kind of lost in the shuffle is they 10th makes them fourth in their own division mm-hmm. yeah. so lots of lots of supposedly hot prospects coming up in the NL Central well the Pirates are uh, they're on the make yeah. uh, what's behind him Milwaukee, I think, but not much. Like the, all the NL Central teams were relatively high, mm-hmm. and, and of course the Cardinals. One of the things that was funny was uh, the there was a guy from Bleacher Nation who was their prospect pervert guy, and he um, he had this long tortured thread about people might be disappointed that the Cubs, you know, for all the hype around their prospects, like well, that's because it's guys like you that are hyping the prospects um, that they're only tenth. But here's and one of the things that he said that it made me laugh out loud. So then I re- I tweeted it and then he blocked me. But uh, it was worth it. And it was funny. I, I he had to be like really upset to like go to block me and realize I didn't follow him. I'm sure they just galled him to no end. <laughs> that I had only seen it because I mean, in fact, I had I found him to be so like obnoxiously over the top, like positive about every prospect. They're all the greatest. That I had muted him. I hadn't just not followed him. I like didn't want to see his stuff pop up in my thread. So now it won't because A because Elon has broken Twitter and B because uh, I'm not blocked. But one of the things he wrote was you don't want you don't necessarily even want to be the number one farm system because that means you have you've had sustained losing and you're picking at the top of the draft and you got all this international money and that's why you have the top farm system. And Dave, do you know who the number one ranked farm system in baseball is right now? The Orioles? No. It's a team that fits all those things. Lots of losing, lots of... No, wait, it's the Dodgers. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, the Orioles are two, I think. Um, but it's like, okay, everything... You Couldn't you have looked at the list before you came up with the rationale about why you don't right. want to be the, have the top farm system? Like, that does. the model franchise in all of baseball has somehow found a way to go over the luxury tax, continue to add really good players, lose, have draft picks get kicked down 10 spots, lose some international pool money, and what do you know, because they're good at it, they have the best farm system in baseball. Yeah. And Law likes to, I've heard him say it several times, it's not like Keith likes to repeat himself, or hear himself talk, but... um. In his mind, the, t- the top two development organizations are related. 
in that they both have the uh, and Andrew Friedman got his DNA all over him. <laughs> I don't want to know how he did it. But um, are the Dodgers and the Rays? And he said you might not think they're similar because of lowest payroll and highest payroll. But the way they're similar is that they are the two teams who have the most scouts and sink the most money into player development. Right. You've got the Rays who feel like they have to do it to survive. And you've got the Dodgers who do it because it's the smart thing to do. Right. And then the team that I root for used the pandemic as an excuse to, like, fire everybody. And it's just now starting to, like, restaff. Right. They didn't just fire, like, scouts and player development people. They fired, you know, office workers and all kinds of crap when they when they didn't need to do it. And we, Rick, Tom Ricketts would go on about all oh, these biblical losses and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, you can imagine all the revenue that we lost in 2020. But he never mentions the fact that, yeah, you lost revenue, but you also, without firing those people, your expenses went down dramatically. You only pay, you literally paid your players for 60 games. You saved yeah. 102 games of salary. And yeah, while you weren't getting game day money, you also weren't thinking of all the things you didn't buy. Because, you know, you didn't buy a bunch of beer and you didn't buy a bunch of whatever. And you didn't have to worry about not selling, you know, what you were going to do with the stuff you got left with. Right. So it's like, all right, if you... I don't even know where I want to go with this. <laughs> but basically... Well, it's the, it's the old thing with them. You can't cry poor and then charge the most for everything at your park. Right. Everything costs more at Wrigley Field than it does anywhere else. So where's all that money go? It's got to go somewhere. And um, for frustrated Cub fans who, and that's most of us right now, um, They got to a point where they just kind of... I mean, they certainly improved the team. I'm not going to say they didn't, but they also had unnecessarily gutted it to the point where anything that they did was going to improve the team. Uh, they talked about how, well, we you know, we've, we held back because we don't want to go over the competitive balance tax threshold because it's not just the financial penalties. Then there's penalties, you know, draft pick placement and international slots and stuff. Um, despite the fact that they could have gone over this year by... A few million and just paid the all they would pay is 50 cents on the dollar for every dollar they're over because next year the Jason Hayward contract is finally off their books Kyle Hendricks's contract has expired Marcus Stroman has an opt-out and he's not going to opt back in um, and there's more well Cody Bellinger will be gone because he clearly was only signed for one year they're going to they they're going to trim like a hundred million dollars off their payroll again next year so they could have spent and gone over and easily reset next year. Right. But they put these little artificial guardrails up that they pretend that they can't go past. And all that got kicked up when the whole Carlos Correa thing happened where, you know, first it was the shock that, you know, the Giants voided the deal and, oh, it's just going to be a Met. And then people were giving the Giants crap for, like, being overly cautious whenever, until all of a sudden the Mets are like, eh. I don't think we can do that. And there was a chance for a team to, like, swoop in and get him for half the years and half the money. And the Cubs were like, nah, it's okay. And then, so he just went back to you the Twins. 
And it's funny, there are people who are like, how could he pass the physical with the Twins when he couldn't pass the one with the Giants and the Mets? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the difference between signing him for six years and signing him for 13. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of the World Baseball Classic, he he's he is pulled out. He's not going to play for Team Puerto Rico. Oh. So now I'm sure there are people like, see, it's his foot. Right. Well, he's probably like, oh, he already got five other shortstops. I'm just going to screw it. I'm not going to play. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I would think if you were the if you were the Cubs, there was a chance right there. You would already sign Dansby. And you could have said, why don't we get two? Because there was a rumor during the, the meetings, which I laughed at when I heard it, which was, oh, the Cubs might sign two of those guys. Yeah, right. Well, they had their chance, and they're like, we no, we're good. We got Patrick Wisdom and Christopher Morell and cute little Nick Madrigal at third. We don't have room for Carlos Correa. So the, throw, the ball's never going to make it over to first base if Madrigal plays third. Well, this, I, somebody on Twitter asked me, it's like, are they already practicing? Are the, are the, in, in PFP, are pitchers going to have to practice cutting off Madrigal's throws from third <laughs> to first? <laughs> They want to get anybody out, maybe. Um, but on the other side of town, things are going good. Uh, <laughs> James James Fegan and the Athletic. This is great. So the uh, they rated. They had the beat writers all grade the off seasons, and then they rank. They showed them in order from A down. And I think Sahadev, I think, did it for the Cubs, or maybe him and Uni together. He gave the Cubs a B plus, and that seemed about that seems about right. You know, they they improved more than average, but they didn't take the big step to you know get into an A. And then to see the White Sox, you had to scroll down and down and down and down and down to get down to the bottom, and they got an F. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gave them an F, and um, they basically only signed two guys. They signed Ben Attendi and they signed Mike Clevenger. Uh huh. And that's how you get an F. Right. Is when you sign Mike Clevenger. So. I don't know how that all sorts out. I mean, I know what sorts out. He never pitches for the White Sox. I just wonder when he, when they are actually able to. Yeah, I mean, uh, release him. Good question. The uh, MLB knew about those allegations last summer at some point. I'm not sure exactly when July, but um, you'd think they'd be wrapping up the investigation pretty soon. Yeah. And once, yeah, you know, people wondered, and Fagan had a explainer on, well, they're going to wait to release him before the investigation. They're not going to release him until the investigation is at a different stage for legal reasons or whatever. So, and I'm not sure if it is, <clears throat> you know, if MLB knew about, you know, and the White Sox didn't, I don't know what that says for their intelligence gathering. Yeah. yeah and it, it makes you wonder a couple things like, if there's stuff out there, even if it's not official, you would think you would at least catch wind of it. 
Right. But then I heard somebody say, why didn't MLB tell them? And it's like, well, if you're still doing your investigation, and then you tell teams he's under investigation, and then you don't find anything. Yeah, you got a problem. He's going to sue your ass for basically limiting his uh, ability to, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. You put, you're either going to put the White Sox in a bad spot, or um, I can see the reason why they wouldn't tell them. I think legally yeah. they probably are like, we can't. It's supposed to be, in a, you know, we're doing an investigation. We're not, like, we're not holding press conferences to announce he's under investigation. But at the same time, that his prospective employer, the ones who went ahead and signed him, are one of your 30-member teams. Yeah. So I guess they're not real excited about it. Yeah, you think it'd be one of those, you know, maybe a little birdie tells you or whatever. Yeah, right. Well, if let's just say if a certain used car salesman from Milwaukee <laughs> that was still the interim commissioner for life, Jerry would have known. Mm. Right. I don't think there's any chance Bud wouldn't have, uh, you know, given the old wink. <laughs> you guys are right. in Clevenger, huh? No, don't do that. And then, do you want the true coat? Can I talk? Can I? S- you're going to need the true coat. No, but. There was, um, oh, it was, a couple weeks ago, it was Bob Euchre's birthday. It's one of those things where I hopped on Twitter, which I shouldn't do, but I did, and it's, you see him trending, I thought, oh, no. Yeah. Whenever, an, well, whenever an old guy trends, it's like, oh, what happened? And it's, it was just happy birthday, Bob. Right. And um, somebody had his, um, like one of the first tweets I looked at was his Hall of Fame speech, which is one of the great Hall of Fame speeches right. of all time. In which he didn't, he went up there without a single note. And he basically just, he told the story of his life in like 11 minutes. Um, starting with the fact that he was born, um, born on the side of the road in southern Wisconsin. His family had been on an oleo run to northern Illinois. That's like the very first. Uh, it's in. That's in the very first paragraph, I think, of his autobiography, Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. So I laughed and heard that. But he gets to a point where he's thanking people and he thanks Al. That's Bud. Yeah. He calls him Al because he's Al. Bob Euchre and he can, so he does. That was always cracking me up. Um. The um. The Marquee Sports Network announced that they are going to show all but three Cubs games, spring training games, and the three that they're not showing are on MLB Network or ESPN. So Cub fans could see every spring training game. And then I, so I thought to myself, there is no such thing as too much base. No, this is it. This is too much. Nobody needs this. Nobody needs to see every Cubs spring training game. But you don't have to watch them all. But they're there. Um, oh, this is the last thing I want. want or uh, you might have topics, but I want to talk to you about. You now share a state with Harold Christopher Carey the Third. Another Chip oh, Carey the man. Chip Trey Carey the Third. Should be Trey. Trey Carey the Third. Um, I like how you circled back to that joke. 
Well, he is the third, though, because although he's technically not, right? Because Harry, Harry's right. last name was not Carrie. Carabina. Carabina. So Skip, I think technically would have been the first Harry Christopher Carey. So right. out of technicality, another another poor moment, poor Chip. He's not even the third anymore because of a technicality. It was kind of funny how uh, some Cardinals fans were giving Cubs fans crap for it. They're like, oh, look at this. You know, I don't, what was the other thing? The other thing made sense. And the, the oh, was the, there was a guy who immediately was like, um, t- he was equating uh, our angst over Wilson Contreras and, and Chip yeah. both going to the Cardinals in the same offseason. Right. Those are not the same thing. <laughs> we, we remember. Yeah, I told the story on my on one of the solo pods I did about the 2004 season was awful. I mean, that Cub team was really good. Yeah, they were better than the O3 team, quite a, significantly better than the O3 team because they were the O3 team plus Derek Lee and Greg Maddox and eventually Nomar. They filled every hole except for closer, which is <laughs> <laughs> the one that, that continuously bit them in the ass down the stretch. Um, but they were the, they were talented. They underachieved, and they were the least likable Cub team, ever. They were awful. Yeah. Kent Merker fighting with Steve Stone more than once, and yeah. it was just and Latroy, with his famous telling the media, "I know I can do your job, but you can't do mine." You know all that fun stuff. And um, the final, the end of the season was this death march where they played really well in September until they got to New York and they blew two games in spectacular fashion. The one was Ryan Dempster's fault, but um, they still, they come home and they've got a, they've got these games with the Reds. The the Reds were awful, terrible. And they played them four times. The Reds beat them three times. Austin Kearns basically by himself ruined the Cubs season. And then they limped home at the last weekend against the Braves. And, um, I don't even remember why I did it to myself, but I was watching the final game. They were eliminated. They didn't get eliminated until the second to last day, even though we knew it was over with, like, four days to go. It was mathematically, they were screwed. I'm watching the last game, and I somehow watched to the last out of the last game. And I'm pressing. We had the kick in the balls from 03, and then this 04 team that was should have been good was, you know, awful. Not They weren't awful, but they were awful to root for. And at the very end, the Chip announced he was leaving for Atlanta. And suddenly, it was all worth it. <laughs> it's impossible for Cub fans who didn't live through his seven years as the announcer to really understand how awful it was. And not awful because he's a jerk. He's not. He's like, he's. you could tell he's a super nice guy. Yeah. It was just, he's so hard to listen to. And I'm so excited that Cardinal fans are going to get to learn this firsthand. That he never shuts up. He could somehow talk nonstop for three hours, but he never says anything. At the same time. Yeah. It's just, it's, bye, 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 bye. Although I... Part of the reason I had Kelly on when I did is he's a Cardinal fan. And he was not happy about the move. And he was already making plans as to how 
through um, his through the way that the, he gets the way he can get RSNs that he can, thinks he can avoid completely ever having to watch the home call of a Cardinal game. Um, but um, to me, the biggest problem Chip has always had is his in his he can never let the play happen mm-hmm. and then tell you what happened. He has to try to guess what's going about to happen. And he's wrong at least 50% of the time. And it just drives you nuts. It's just like, just stop. But Kelly was saying that he thinks, sadly, that a big segment of Cardinal fans will love it. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, this is great. So. Um, I'll just say, keep your distance. You're about as far away in Missouri as you can be. <laughs> Try to keep that distance. Because it's, it's quite an experience. You'll enjoy this. So, um, when Dad, Mike, Daddy, and I were doing the "Remember This Crap" of the 2001 Cubs, mm-hmm. um, we got to a game that we didn't remember that everything happened in this one game. That's one of the things we find out is sometimes you'll remember this game for something that, that significant that happened, and then you'll realize that something else that's also significant happened in the same game. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it was a game against the Rockies uh, in July. And I remembered it for the way it ended. This ridiculous botched rundown by the Rockies where Ricky Gutierrez had gotten caught between like second and between second and third on a little slow tapper by Joe Girardi. And then they got impatient and they threw to first to try to get Girardi, but they were too late to get Girardi. And then Ricky tried to score and Ricky should have been out by, you know, 10 feet, but it was a bad throw. And he ended up, Scoring the scoring the winning run, but it also turned out to be the game um, where you know this uh, that Angel uh, Angel Hernandez terribly missed a call. I know that's a shock mm-hmm. that he did that, uh, but Steve McMichael was um, singing <laughs> the stretch. That was that game. Yes, and he basically told the crowd, "Don't worry, after the game we're going to get that guy." And he pointed to Angel, and he got thrown out of the game as the seventh inning stretch singer. That was the same game. But what I predicted, and it wasn't it wasn't out on a limb, was as we were doing it, I found the video from the that crazy final play, mm-hmm. and I told Mike, I said, I think Chip botches this, yeah. and we so as we played it live on the podcast, you get around and you hear him, you know, he's, it's a really complicated play, so that that part wasn't, but he did the most Chip thing ever. As the throw comes home, he yells and he's out. Safe, safe, safe. <laughs> Why did you yell out? You couldn't tell. You know, it's like just it's Chippy. Just he can never help himself. That's how you get line drive base hit uh, caught out there. Not His a most yeah, famous right. call of all time. Yes, not a good anticipator. No. But um, yeah, but Carlos fans have that look to look forward to. So I hope they enjoy it. In, in perfect in perfect Cardinal fan fashion, I think Kelly's right. They will not enjoy Wilson Contreras, and they will enjoy Chip Carey. Right, they'll they'll pick at Wilson, right. so to speak, because he's not whatever they think Yadier was. And I mean, I I it, like Wilson. Will. I think he's a he's he was a, he was a very very good Cub. 
will always yeah, have fond memories of him. And, but, and I know why he went. I mean, it's 85 million reasons to go there. But it's the worst possible place for him. <laughs> it just right. is. He's the things he does. They won't. Their fans won't value. And every borderline call that they don't get, Yachty would have got. And every right, every big hit that the Cardinals give up, it'll be Wilson called the wrong pitch, and Yachty wouldn't have called that. And it's all bullshit. But you'll never convince them it's not. And the, they just the Cubs just had a World Series hero who just retired, Dexter Fowler, who lived that in a much less like he was replacing. I don't even know who. Nobody. Right. And they never liked him. And there was another, and there was one big reason why they didn't like Dexter. <laughs> but there was other, you know, just nitpicky baseball shit that they didn't like for no other reason than, well, he's an old cub. He's trying to right. sabotage us. But Yeah, Wilson's going to earn that $85 million. I wonder, we should, that's what DraftKings should put odds on. How many years of that five-year contract does he spend in St. Louis? Because hmm. I put it at two, I'd, the over, my over/under would be one and a half. I just have a hunch that at some point they'll just trade him. They'll, yeah. And that might be the intent all along. They had to get a five-year contract to get him, but nah, we don't need him for all five. We'll find somebody else to take him. And it won't be the Cubs because they got Tucker Barnhart. <laughs> so what, what else would you need? Um, any baseball stuff that uh, we didn't hit that you wanted to talk about? Well, I, I'm hopeful that it's 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 an interesting topic. I think it is. It might be nothing, but I'm interested to see how the game is going to look with the rule changes, with the pitch clock, with the more more of that probably than the shifts, but. And we'll see what the results are with the shifts, but the, the changes and the throws over to first and all that, it's going to be interesting to see how quick teams uh, adapt and, you know, is it going to go into the regular season, you know, the learning curve, if there is one, and if it will have an effect uh, beyond those individual plays with, you know, how guys think about the game. And as we said, the, the players are really into their routines, and this is uh, kind of going to be a disruption of that. So, I think we talked about it on our big uh, Christmas podcast. But so the penalty for illegal shift is a <laughs> is a balk. Is that what um, it is? I, you know, I don't know if it's a, if it's or it's just a ball for an illegal. I mean, can't. I mean, the balk is a ball, but if a balk with a runner with runners on is going to advance the runners, and I don't know if it's that. I would think the umpires would be able to, if someone is illegally shifting, to stop it before the play starts, and then you wouldn't. But I guess if you kept doing it, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, to me that's always the interesting thing. They never talk about is okay. What's the penalty if you break the rule? Because there's got to be one, otherwise. Well, it's easier to. You know, you get uh, with the throws to first. You know, the the runner will get the base if you throw a third time. But who would? I don't. So that would be a that basically would be a balk, right? Yes, yes. But for illegal shit, I don't know because it's yeah. like like I said, I we'll find out the when umpires would like. Oh, you know, you're not standing in the right place. We can't do this. So move. 
So like, what's the penalty? They will occasionally. It doesn't. They don't call it very often, but it does happen. You know, there's a rule in Major League Baseball that every player has, to, other than the catcher, every player has to be in fair territory yes. when the ball is pitched. And there are some first basemen who like to, you know, they're in foul territory at first base when, especially right. if we're holding a runner on. Some of them get way over. And I remember games where Keith Hernandez would get yelled at by the umps, and he didn't give a shit. He basically would yell, just yell right back at him. And I don't remember what that, there is some kind of penalty, and I don't remember what it is. And I wonder if whatever that is, is the penalty for, hmm. I don't know if it's no pitch. They basically, like you said, they basically stop it, and it's like, no. Although that could hurt, you know. It'll happen to the it'll happen to the Cubs where they'll hit a home run. Like, no, there was no pitch because the defense was lined up illegally. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we hit it over everybody. Didn't it count? No, sorry. So we're getting we're getting a pitch clock. We're getting bigger bases. Yes. No shifts. And then how many times can you throw over? Just twice. Ooh. Twice. Yes. Yeah. John Lester's like, we yeah. hit two for. I'm coming back. Yep. If you make it zero, I'll pitch again. <laughs> but honestly, he's kind of like the. We're going to hear about John Lester a lot, I would think, because he's kind of the model of how you can slow the running game without throwing over. Right. Or at least. It is interesting. We'll see. But, there, you know, there's a bunch of guys the last couple of years with enormous. Uh, stolen base totals in the minor leagues. And, uh, I mean, that's the minor leagues, so there's lots of other variables. But, you know, we'll see if that comes back. You know, it's uh, if that can be exploited. You'd think it would be harder to do with the experience of the major league players, even with uh, how run the run game has been kind of devalued in the last few years. But, you know, guys stealing 80 bases. I can't think of the guy's name, but there's a couple of those. So we'll see if uh, we got some, you know, 85 Cardinal type numbers out there. I think it was at the convention. Somebody asked Jed about the rule changes and how they would impact it. And he basically, <clears throat> they were talking about, well, you know, Theo, whoever was interviewing him, <clears throat> he said, you know, well, the, the bigger bases is Theo's big idea. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, it's Scott Harris's idea. He came up with it when he was with the Cubs, and he would tell Theo about it all the time. And then when Theo gets this job, all of a sudden it's Theo's idea. Because he's Theo. That was his idea. The one I don't – Jim Deshaze talks about it a lot, a lot, is if you're going to mess with the bases, which is fine, why don't you finally fix first base? If it means you put in the safety base, that's fine. But it's the idea that – According to the rule, you yeah. have to run in fair territory, but then first base is in foul territory. So how do you run to first base and step on it without going in foul territory at some point, since that's where you put the base? Isn't the base more in fair territory? Oh, no, the base is in fair territory. So the first the base, base is in fair territory. But you can't, oh, that's what, you have to rise, I got it opposite. You have to run in foul territory, but you have to step on the base in fair territory. Right. And you have to you have to stay out of the lane. That's what I got to play backwards. So all the safety base is, is it's a second version of first base that's right. in foul territory. And basically call it a safety base because it, it eliminates, especially in Little League and high school and yeah. softball, 
where the throws aren't always so accurate. The right. first baseman doing the Cliff Floyd and getting their arm broken because they have right. to go flying into the runner, where the runner can stay in foul territory the whole time, hit the base, and be... And then if you hit a double or whatever, you just you run like normal and you hit the inside base, the one you always step on. Right. The thing um, about having a, the base in the extending it into foul territory would be then we have a you know if you hit the the base with the ball, a batted ball on the base, how do we necessarily determine? As I believe, and this would screw up the aesthetics of our, of our baseball, I believe the second base is orange. I see. To make it easier oh. for the ump to see. And you'd still have some of it be okay. tough, but that's what instant replays for, right? Right. For the eight times in a year when it might happen. You could I guess always it would go happen that often, yeah. To hit the orange part or the white part. Um, an easier way to fix it, I think, would be simply to change the rule about how you where you can be to run to first base Mm -hmm. you know if you can if the in essence you can be on the in on one step on the left of that line then you can run to first base without having to veer and if you hit with the throw you're where you're supposed to be because that's the only time it's ever an issue right is when you know Wilson Contreras puts one right between your shoulder blades and you're out That will be good. And somebody had a stat about there's a relatively high percentage of um, projected MLB pitchers this year who have pitched. Because you think, well, you know, we've got all these old guys. And there are a bunch of old guys, but there's also a lot of young guys who have already pitched with a pitch clock. Right. To them, it's no big deal. They're just used to it. It's going to be the, you know, got I was going to say, the old guys like Max Scherzer are going to be pissed, but Max, I think, would be fine if you gave him like a six-second <laughs> clock. He wouldn't care. Right. Uh, poor Justin Verlander, though. Right. The one guy who could never make a comeback now is Steve Draxel. Yeah, I was waiting for him to There come is up. no shot. That's it, The horn would just go off after every... Is there a horn? I wonder how they... It just goes zero and the umpire very dramatically comes out from I behind the, the plate. answer to that, yeah. And yeah, that's all. And we are, we, are we going to have situations like we do in the NFL now where there are obvious uh, violations of the play clock and they, they don't seem to care? No. And I like that the um, no matter who the rules analyst is, they always explain it the same way. Right. Gene Steratore especially. Right. Explains the mechanic. He explains what the back judge, I guess, is the one who would has to. He is supposed to. Um, he's supposed to look at the play clock, right. and if it's at one, he's not supposed to anticipate it going to zero. He's supposed to like look back down and look back up, and then when it's zero, then he blows it, which effectively means that it's just dependent on when this guy looks up and down. It's like, I, if I we're really going to enforce it, shouldn't they have like a little, how about a little buzzer on the right. back judge? Right. And if you feel that and they haven't snapped the ball, stop it. Or have an official in the stands watching and then 
hit a buzzer. You know, that make it so that's not a guy in the field. Yeah, having to right, uh, and that's uh, a whole well, thing yeah. already with the the only the NFL. It's amazing to me the things they needlessly complicate. A great right. example of this was, and Greg Olson got a lot of credit for it, and he deserved it. Was in towards the end of the Cowboys and Niners game, the Cowboys in that frantic final drive, which ended on the most hilarious play of history, where Zeke Elliott lined up at center and got rolled into yes. the next county. Um, they threw an out to Dalton Schultz, and he ran out of bounds. And Olsen knew immediately that the refs were going to roll the clock because they've somehow changed the rule that you have right. to be going forwards when you go out of bounds or the clock won't stop. Why? That is the dumbest. The whole idea is to go out of bounds to stop the clock. Right. right. And so he knew it. So they will complicate a little rule like that. The other thing that they needlessly complicate is now they have this thing, they call it referee assist, where yeah. there is a ref watching the game on TV somewhere in the stadium. And he could just like buzz in to, to correct like blatantly wrong calls. Uh, it's like, okay, why doesn't replay just work that way then? Right. Why do the coaches still have to challenge crap? And why is there stuff they can't challenge? And why is there stuff they can challenge? Because the replay assist apparently could fix almost anything. All the shit that like like Bill, Bill Belichick can't talk is um, has said. Why can't you just review anything? Right. Like, he said, we just give us the two challenges a half. You don't have to increase it. But if I want to challenge pass interference, or I want to challenge too many men on the field, or I want to challenge, you know, whatever the things are, some things you can challenge, some you can't, just let me challenge anything. And if you can't see it on the thing, I lose my challenge. Say, I'm oh, sorry, we couldn't confirm it. But if you do see it, you have to fix it. So this eye in the sky guy, there's certain things he can fix and certain things he can't. Why wouldn't this guy also be the guy who's like, you know, the play clock was at zero for like three seconds. <laughs> so maybe that play shouldn't count. Because we already know from the Chiefs, from the AFC, and they will do replay. They will they will give you a redo. Yeah. Because that miraculously happened out of nowhere, where all of a sudden one guy's running in like this and nobody saw him. Right. But, you know, that league, they must, at some point, they must just love it. Because they do it so much with what's a catch and what's not to catch. And what's out of bounds and what's not out of bounds. It's like, you can take a lot of the interpretation out. Because you guys write the rule book. Just write it the way you want it. But they can't. And we watch it in huge numbers every week. So they're like, ha, what do we care? These dopes love it. Why would we mess with it? They love to get mad. We'll give them more reasons to get mad. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. Me too. And your eventual trip down to Arizona to see every Cactus League team. Maybe we'll do a, a podcast from there or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Location. Yeah. Be like... Uh, you can bunk with the guys from PHNX or whatever. They just... <laughs> right. I'm Double here. Cool. I'm say, Who are you now? Well, I'm a wayward sports writer, and I've told I'm you David I can just stay TV with you. D. <laughs> Take all the bobs out of my name. Yep. All right, you belong. You can come in. Pretty sure my my name would be the same without the vowels. I think. Mm-hmm. Be Indy, uh, Indy yeah. Dolan. Dolan. It, you're, it's tough when you start with a vowel. It's tough. It is. You kind of need that vowel. Because then, you, like you said, you got Indy instead of Andy. Yeah. It's not the same. 
No, and I complain to my parents that the, the A's are too close together when you say my name. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like, you guys should have thought of that. You done a better job. And they're like, well, we named you after your uncle. Like, well, he should have thought of it then. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, dude. Thank you, Andy. Many of us have herpes.